invite you to open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 27. Jesus is uh, speaking to his his 12 disciples, and there's a crowd around as well, but he's, he's talking right to his disciples here. And Jesus says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, then do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. They love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we hear these words, we know that We can live them out only as you fill us, only as you empower us, only as you change our hearts. And so we pray this morning that you would do that. Change our hearts. Help us to love you more deeply and to look more like you in our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about core beliefs and core actions of a disciple. And today I want to ask a question, what do you do when obedience is hard? Obedience sometimes is easy, especially if we see the immediate rewards of our obedience. Um, If I, for example, roll up to a red light, say I'm on Bay Area Boulevard, pull up to Highway 3 at 5 p.m., and there are cars just flying down Highway 3 at 50, 60 miles an hour, it is really easy for me to obey that red light and stop there. Because if I don't do that, what's going to happen? I'm going to be flattened like Frogger. I see the immediate rewards of my obedience. Sometimes obedience is easy. Sometimes it's not. Say I'm on Bay Area Boulevard, but not at Highway 3. Say I'm at some small intersection at midnight on a Tuesday, and there's no one else around, and there's a red light. And I really want to get home. Sometimes it's harder to obey. Sometimes you want to say, hey, this red light only applies if there's others around. I mean, have you ever, I know you've thought that. I know you've thought that. Don't do that. But I know you've thought that. We can be tempted to amend rules, in other words, when they get really tough or demanding or they just don't seem very relevant to us. And we really don't want to follow them. Now, the Jewish people, they knew 
this command, love your neighbor as yourself. That was part of, that wasn't just a Jesus law. That was, that was something that they received way back from the book of Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. You thought that nothing good came from the book of Leviticus, but there you have one of the, one of the most important laws of God right there from Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. And um, over time, the Jewish people developed a companion rule. Um, If I'm to love my neighbor, then I am to hate my enemy. Now, see, the only problem is that companion rule, we never see that companion rule in the Bible. Hate your enemy never appears in the scriptures. But you see, you know, perhaps the Jewish people, they they noticed, you know, in, in our history, God God would, um, when we were in the promised land and there were these rebellious God, rebelling nations around us, God had us destroy those enemy nations around us. And over time, that shaped their ethos for how to think about their enemies. If you are my enemy, then I'm against you. I'm 100% against you. And today, that, that almost seems like human nature to think that way. If you are good to me, then I'll be good to you. If you're not good to me, if you're my enemy, then I won't be good towards you. What goes around comes around. We we can live by that, that rule. So you see what we've done. We've taken this law, love your neighbor as yourself, and we've, what have we done? Well, we've put boundaries on it. We've We've, we've kind of shortchanged that law. We've, we've cut corners when we apply that law to our life. The only problem is that Jesus said, I have not come to remove any of the law. I have not come so that you can start cutting corners in your obedience, but rather I've come to fulfill the law. I'm not setting aside any part of it. Look at what Jesus says. He says in Matthew chapter five, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen. In other words, not any, even smallest part of the law will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So don't for one moment think that Jesus says God's commandments don't matter. These these rules, these commands, they don't matter. See, Jesus came to fulfill the law. And one of the things that that means is that Jesus has come to bring the law to its fullest meaning. He intensifies it. Don't just love your friends, love your enemies. You see how he intensifies that law? Love your enemies. And this is pretty demanding because we live in a world full of enemies. If I had an an enemy naming exercise, who would you name this morning? Think about that. It may be that you have individuals who really are out to get you. Maybe. When I was in junior high, 
um, it seemed like there were like these three boys that were always out to get me. That probably was just in my perception, but it seemed like they were against me. It was easy for me to identify in my mind, oh, these are my enemies. And maybe, maybe you have some people who, boy, it really seems like they are personally out to get you, but um, but if you don't, or even if you do, uh, we might think of other people as our enemies. Maybe people or groups who think entirely different than yourself, whose way of life seems to be very different than your way, whose ways of life seem to threaten your way. Maybe that's who you would identify as your enemy this morning. So I want you to get a good enemy in your mind. A little exercise for a second. Get a good enemy in your mind. Hopefully it's not someone sitting near you. Although that that could be the case. Could be. You know, yeah, Jesus is Jesus is saying this to his twelve disciples, and and just think about that because one of those disciples was was just a recently retired tax collector, a Jew who was working for the Romans, fleecing their own people, fleecing the Jewish people. Matthew, right? And so Jesus is saying this to his twelve disciples: "Love your enemies." You could almost see one of them elbowing Matthew in the ribs or something. Sometimes God puts our enemies very close to us so that we can learn a lesson, so we can grow in our hearts. Get get that enemy in mind. And now I want to go through what Jesus said one more time. I'm going to put it on the screen. When you think of that enemy, love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And turn your other cheek to one who slaps you. Instead of of retaliating, instead of getting back, no, no. Turn your other cheek. And when your enemy takes your coat, Say, hey, I'll give you my shirt as well. Give to everyone who asks you. And do not demand back from one who takes from you. Lend without expecting to get anything back. Now, how do you feel about those commandments now that you have your enemy in mind? See, when I do that, it makes me want to cut corners. And and you probably aren't being honest if you say, but when I do that, when I keep my enemy in mind, yeah, it doesn't make me want to cut corners. You're probably not being honest. It makes me want to cut corners on this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's say this about Christianity. The command for Christians is to show radical love, not just love, radical love. And when you read this scripture, Luke chapter 6, this, this part of it, if it doesn't have some teeth this morning, if it doesn't bite you a little bit, you're probably not playing, paying close enough attention to it and really, really keeping your enemy in mind when you read through it. Christians are to show radical enemy blessing love. 
why. Well, Jesus starts giving his, his, his reasoning in verse 32. He says, if you love those who love you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them, sinners. Jesus uh, refers to pagans. Pagans doing the same thing in, in, in Matthew in a similar teaching. He says, pagans do that. I mean, in other words, everyone does that. Everyone can do that. Love those who love you. Verse 33, he says, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. You know, if you do really good things, things that will really benefit others, but if you do that for people who you know will be able to give you a good favor in return, who will return the favor, who at least say thank you, well, Anybody can do that stuff, Jesus is saying. You do more, he tells his disciples. Do that good when you know it would never be repaid. And verse 34, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. So sinners will say, hey, I'm getting that back, right? I'm loaning it to you, but I'm getting it back, right? Jesus says, you go beyond that. You do more. Now, I think we have to pay close attention to something here. Jesus doesn't say all this because he thinks his disciples are better than others or that his disciples have their act together. It's not like Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, you guys are superstars. I know you have this in you. I know you can do this because you're you're rock stars. That's not what Jesus is thinking here. Here's the truth. Jesus commands radical love, not because we are better than others, but because we are different. We're different. You know, we don't see Jesus shaming his disciples. Now, you may be able to point, point out a story. Hey, Pastor Greg, here's a story of Jesus shaming it. I couldn't think of where Jesus ever shames his disciples. Like when they do something bad, Jesus doesn't say, oh, come on, guys, you know that you're better than that. I don't see Jesus doing that. And, and you've said that to your kids before, right? Like your kid brings home a report card that's not all that stellar, or you hear from a teacher or principal, hey, so when your son or your daughter, they never kind of acted out in class. You've said, oh, come on, you, you're better than that. I mean, we, we've, we've said things like that to our kids, maybe. Or I've, uh, um, but I don't see Jesus ever doing that to his disciples, saying, come on, guys, you know you're better than that. Why? Because he knows they aren't better than that. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say love your enemies because he knows that we're better than others, but we're different than others. See, Christianity isn't reserved for better people. Christianity isn't for the people who can just grit their teeth and willpower obedience. No, a Christian is different, however. We see the world, we see the fu- our future differently. We have hope. And something happens when you embrace hope. And really believe it, that you have it. When you start looking at the future differently, when you start thinking, I have hope. See, when you really embrace that, you start getting changed on your inside. So listen to this. We 
only can show radical love, radical love, when our inner heart is changed. A few verses later, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruits, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Now listen to this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Well, great, Jesus. Are you telling us the reason why we like to cut corners and change the laws so that they're easier is because we're messed up on the inside? Maybe. (laughs) So where's the good news? Because that sounds like bad news. Well, the good news is coming. The good news is coming. See, Jesus is pointing out that there's there's two ways of of living. Here's the common way. Jesus says the common way is I'm going to protect my stuff. I'm going to protect my turf. I'm going to be very judicious about with whom I share my stuff. I'm going to be very judicious about with whom I am a blessing. I'm going to do that with my friends. And if you're my enemy, well, I can get angry with you. I can curse you. I can tell you off, or I can at least think, well, what a rotten person you are. Thanks for making everything so bad. I can at least think that if you're my enemy. That's that's the common way, Jesus says. That's That's one way to live. And then there's the Jesus way. I can love my enemies. I can be kind to them. I can want the best for them. There's two ways about thinking about the world. And Jesus says, when you choose my way, something something great happens. Look at verse 35 again. He says, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And and your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Choose my way, Jesus says. Your reward will be great. You'll be the children of the Most High because, because why? Let's get to the good news. Because why? Because you've done all this great stuff. Is that why? Because, because you've finally gotten your act together. Is that why? Is it because you're, you're a better person than, than everyone else. Is that why? No. Here's the good news. Because, Jesus says, because God is kind to the ungrateful and God is kind to the wicked. And let me suggest something that Jesus isn't talking about our enemies there. He's talking about he's talking about Pastor Greg so often. See, it doesn't take much for me to be ungrateful. I think, oh God, why is life so hard for me? I'd be driving down the freeway, see, oh, what are they building there? Oh, it's another car dealership. It's a luxury car dealership. And those cars are just taunting me. You'll never get one of us. Oh gosh, God, why why is life so hard for me, you know? And I get ungrateful. God is kind to the ungrateful. And there are times when I wish, oh, uh, will it, 
a big hole just open up underneath you, my enemy, and just let the earth swallow you? God is kind to the wicked. So please get this. Our reward is great because God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And I don't have to worry about God judging me or condemning me or refusing to forgive me if I'm a Christian. And that's not because I'm good. It's because God is good. So when you choose Jesus' way, remember there's two ways common way and then there's Jesus's way and when you choose Jesus's way your life is flooded with joy and peace and love so Jesus is inviting people to to open the rights to this new kind of way of seeing things this new reality and the 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 new reality is this maybe Christians maybe we maybe maybe the reward is great maybe Christians do get it all And Jesus did talk about the cost of discipleship, the cost of following him. He said, if anyone would follow after me, they must take up their cross. They must deny themselves. They must follow me. He talked about the cost of following him. But get this, the disciples one day mentioned to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. The cost has been great. And Jesus didn't have any problems about telling them the cost of the rewards either. The rewards of following him. So Luke 18, verse 29, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, Jesus said, No one who has left his home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus has no problems with talking about the cost of all of the rewards of following him. Jesus says, trust me, it's going to be great. You won't be disappointed. You won't feel shortchanged in life. Take everything good in this world, your family, your your, your friends. Take, Take the beauty that we see, just a little glimpse of every once in a while, the beauty of life. The enjoyment of life and, and having real meaningful work where you, you get a great sense of accomplishment. Take all those good things, Jesus says. Take all those good things and you're going to keep getting them right now. And then when you die, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be with God and you're going to keep getting those things forever. Some great rewards. Maybe the reward is so great that when someone wrongs us, you know, we can let that go. (laughs) Or maybe when our enemy needs something from us, the reward is so great, we could say, yeah, I'm going to give to them. It's okay. It's okay because my reward is great. (laughs) Maybe we've got a huge storeroom of stuff that God has set aside for us. Maybe the reward is so great we can love our enemies. So tap the person next to you on the shoulder and say, hey, I didn't know that you were so rich. Go ahead and do that because your reward is great. I didn't know that you're so rich. You've got a great reward. You see how 
maybe the law seems a little bit easier when we keep that in mind. So let me say two things about how you can love your enemy. One, love your enemy, not because you are a victim, but because you are a victor. See, Jesus is not out to create a bunch of victims who lack strength, who lack courage, who lack power, who can only just let bad stuff happen to them because they have no power whatsoever. They're, they're, just, they're just too weak, so they have to succumb to their aggressors. That, that's being a, a victim, and Jesus isn't out to make vic- victims. He's out to make victors, people who can be generous with their possessions instead of fearfully holding on to their stuff, victors who aren't, um, who aren't emotionally weak where we always need a, a good warm fuzzy from a friend. I mean, it's great to get warm fuzzies from friends, but if you need to get that or else you'll crater, See, that's being weak, and Jesus, that's being a victim, and Jesus wants to, to, to make victors, people who aren't emotionally weak, um, people who are strong in their sense of God's fierce love for them. That's, that's who Jesus is trying to make. Victors who don't need to prop themselves up by comparing themselves to their enemies and say, look how bad you are and how good I am. No, Jesus is is out to create victors. So you are not a victim. You are a victor, don't you see? And two, love your enemies through joy and peace. Listen, when you feel loved by God, when you have joy and peace, when you have love, joy, and peace, what's going to happen inside of you? See, the Apostle Paul describes what happens inside of the one who has love, joy, and peace. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes about this life of the Holy Spirit in someone. He talks about the fruit that grows with the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And the outpourings of that, forbearance, being patient with others, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And next week, we're going to talk more about that fruit that God grows in the inner life the core attributes of a Christian. That's next week. But today I want you to notice when you have love, joy, and peace, of course you will be able to be kind to your enemies. Of course. Of course you'll be able to be good and gentle with people who are different than you. Of course. Of course when someone offends you, you'll be able to live with self-control and not feel like, oh, I got to get back at them somehow. You can be long-suffering. You can be patient. You can show self-control because of God's love, joy, and peace. So I want you to think about uh, this. Next time you have someone say something kind of mean-spirited about you or a little put-down, a snide comment or a patronizing comment or something that just deflates you a little bit, think, okay, 
whatever I think I need from you, I have an even greater blessing from God. The, the, the storeroom is full. The treasure is full. Think, um, next time uh, you have an enemy kind of provoke you to anger, you might not even know that enemy personally, but you're provoked to anger, think, oh, I've got an even greater blessing from God. So I have two, two do things for you. At least consider these. One, be humble. There is nothing in this scripture that invites you to pat yourself on the back, right? You can't read through math, uh, Luke chapter 6, love your enemies, pray for those, and think, oh, man, I'm doing great here. I'm patting myself on the back. I mean, Jesus very seriously lays out the fulfillment of the law. and He doesn't name things that are easy to check off, right? I mean, these are hard things. He's not saying, hey, love your neighbor, you know, love, help that nice little old lady cross the street and you can feel good about yourself. No, he's saying, you know, help that enemy of yours have a better life, even though you really don't want that for him. That's harder. And so this passage should drive us to humility, just saying, gosh, God, I'm, I need help here. I've got stuff in my heart that needs to be made new. And two, count the reward. When I was a kid, I had this really cool coin bank. It was like an old Western barrel. I mean, it wasn't like huge like a Western barrel. I didn't have that much coins. It was a small little kind of Western barrel coin bank. And... And uh, I think it was supposed to make you feel kind of rich, like you're an old prospector or something. You got all your gold mining loot in there. And it had this large red dialed combination lock, but it only had one number. You didn't have to turn it back and forth, just one number. So it wasn't very sister-proof, unfortunately. Uh, In fact, I think when you got to the right number, it kind of just sprung open on you. Um, But I remember, you know, turning that dial and pulling out all the green that was in there. You know, I had, uh, first of all, I'd dump out the coins. There was a little, you know, mess full of coins. And then there was a, you know, a decent handful of ones and a few fives, maybe a 10, but kind of the, you know, the, the, the glory of the, the 10-year-old boys when you pulled in the, pulled out the, the $20 bill that, that you had in there. You know, I got this 20 and I'm rich and I would, you know, I sort all the coins out and have my nice little rows and stack all the ones and the fives and seriously, I don't know if there's any tens, but that 20, boy, I just laid that 20 right there and just counted it all up. And, and I would do that. Oh, I would do that so often. I was rich. As Christians, we should do that not occasionally, but frequently with, in our thinking about the reward that we have with God. I mean, God is good. God is generous. God so loved the world. He gave his only son to die for you. 
so that you could feel secure, so that you could feel so full, so that you could feel loved and blessed. So get out that old prospector's wooden barrel. Open up that combination and just pull out what's inside, this reward that God has for us. And now you go out and share that blessing, even with your enemies. Let's pray. God, we we think of the promise that there is no good thing that you withhold from us, your children, and we give you thanks. And when we want to complain about life, and there are things indeed, Lord, that do not please you and that sadden you that we go through, but when we, it's so easy, Lord, for us to go overboard and, and just be ungrateful Lord, will you forgive us and will you show us all that we have to be grateful for? For your love, for your presence, for our salvation, for your offer of eternal life when we receive your name when we when we say yes to your invitation to follow you and help us to live as loving radically loving people to this very needy world and we pray this in the name of Jesus our savior amen